so we keep on keeping on. Hey, little humans, I'm Norma Jean. Welcome to Stay Wild, the podcast about how to keep your quirks in the wondrous world. This is episode one. We're coming at you live from the rice fields in Ubud, Bali, and we're talking to Sabrina Phillip, who's a social media savant, business coach, life coach. She's 23, and she's already started a business that's breached the six-figure mark, so she's amazing. She's going to offer some really cool insight into her journey, how she got here, where she's going, and lots of tips and tricks that you can use in your life. I'm going to read one of my poems. Today's music is brought to you by me, Norma Jean. You can hear all my music, see my cartoons, and my shirts, my merchandise at njloves.com. Please subscribe to us in iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Write us a review about what you really liked about the show. It would really help us out. And I hope you enjoy the show today. So we're here with Sabrina Phillip. Hello, Sabrina. Hi, Norma. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, welcome to Stay Wild. So as I mentioned, Stay Wild is a podcast about how to keep your quirks in the world, how to live outside the box, um, and how people are living these lives. So first I wanted to ask you to introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your journey. Sure. Thank you again so much for having me. So I am 23 years old, and I've been living in Bali for the past year. I moved here just after I finished school. I only had $800 in my bank account, but I was absolutely determined to see the world. And I just decided that failure was not an option. And no matter what, I was going to make it work for myself. So over the past year, I've um, built a social media and business coaching business. Um, And that's been really amazing, just working with women and helping them you know, do what I do, which is, you know, starting a business and see the world. That's really what I'm hoping to empower women to do. And, you know, before that, I had a lot of really great experiences myself where I got to, you know, study Arabic in Morocco, and I lived in an ashram, and I did my yoga teacher training. Uh, I visited Israel on the West Bank on a policy tour. So I've had all these great experiences that sort of brought me to this moment, I feel. So it's been really nice to sort of see the journey. Cool. Okay. And you've been, we're recording this from the rice fields of Ubud, Bali. You've been in Bali about a year. What inspired you to come and move to Bali? Yeah. So I think there was just something always about Bali that pulled me here. I don't know if it was an eat, pray, love moment. I think that is probably something more that would appeal (laughs) to my mother. Um, But there was just something always about Bali that was so beautiful and spoke to me. Uh, When I lived in an ashram and I studied all these sacred Hindu texts, I think that Um, Bali just naturally came up for a lot of people because I think Bali is really big in the yoga community. So the more I started researching it, the more I was drawn to it. And when I did live in the ashram, I was part of the staff. So I would teach, um, you know, people going through the yoga teacher training and I would, um, you know, be a part of the kitchen staff and help with the marketing and events and things like that. And it just got to a point where I considered possibly leaving and going to teach English in Bali, but I was just so in love with the ashram. So I stayed there and then, you know, I still got my Bali trip. It still happened and worked out. Yeah. And where was the ashram? It was in the Bahamas. It's called the Shivananda Yoga Ashram. It's on Paradise Island. So it's right next to um, the Atlantis Hotel, which is this, like huge resort in the Bahamas. Oh, I've seen that on the Travel Channel. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, so okay. there's like this little paths slash forest thing connecting the two properties so every day after um like I would do the morning kitchen crew I would sneak out with my friends sneak out of the ashram to go get coffee which was actually forbidden you're not supposed to drink coffee and so we would all joke that it was the temple of coffee and so like it was a sacred practice for us to go get 
our coffee every day. That's amazing. The temple of coffee. Um, wow. Okay. So you've done, you did the yoga teacher training and then you were thinking, I feel really called to Bali. This is where, you know, I want to live for a while. And then how did you get to the point where you started your business? How did you plan that out and, and go for it? Cause you really kind of fearless in that sense. You know, whenever I, whenever I see Sabrina's stuff online, it's always like, Hey world, I'm doing it. Hello. Um, yeah, yeah, it just seems like you don't have as many barriers that you impose on yourself. Yeah. Well, I think part of it is just time. I definitely was not as vocal about my business a year ago. And I think part of it is I just had all these things in my head going through of, you know, Oh, I don't want my family to know about this. I don't want my friends to see this. But as I've, you know, sort of grown and I've helped so many people, it's, you get to a point where you realize that you have a message to share that's helpful to others. And so by not sharing it, you're not helping as many people as you could. So in that way, it's almost selfish to be keeping it to yourself. And so you embrace the spirit of service. Yeah. So, and I think that's what we all need to sort of get behind. It's, it just feels better, I think, to be a service-based business provider. And I'm talking service-based as in like coaching or consulting, you know, teaching, mentoring, anything like that, where you're social media management, you're providing a service, whatever it is, if you can say I'm doing this to, you know, not just help people with their social media, but to help them get out more online, to reach more people, to help more people, then it's a lot easier to sort of energetically get behind what you're doing. And so for me, when I started out, um, in terms of how was I so fearless about it, it was just kind of like, oh my God, I just landed in Bali and I have $800 in my bank account. How am I not going to end up dead on the side of the road? And <laughs> How am I going to be roadkill? I'm not kidding. That that was the thing. And, like, I would always text my family, like, if I am ever end up in a Thai prison, please bail me out. And they're like, you're in Bali. Why would you be in Thailand? And I was like, (laughs) I I don't know, like, crazy fears. So it was just kind of like, first I started off doing, like, virtual assistant work. So I would, you know, people would pay me, like, $20 an hour, and I would help them with things. And then after, like, two weeks of that, literally two weeks, I was just like, okay, I'm done with this now. And then I got my first client for $800 a month for social media management. And then it just kept growing and growing and growing from there. And then after I built the social media agency and um, through the process of that, so many of my clients had said, oh, like, will you also be my business coach? And I also had uh, people who weren't my clients asking me to be their business coach. So that's when I started transitioning more into that because I felt that, you know, as a business coach, I could still help people with their social media by empowering them to do it themselves or to find the right person to help them, but that there was so much more that I could teach them. So that's kind of how that came about. And then... Yeah, so I think now when I show up, it is definitely kind of like I'm doing the damn thing, you should too. And I think part of it's just it takes time and confidence and realizing that no matter what, it's going to be okay and that you have something unique that only you can do in a way that only you can do it that needs to be done and needs to be seen. So I think part of it's just time and confidence, but at some point you just have to decide, okay, I'm doing it, and that's it. Yeah. Was there a turning point for you where you were just like, fuck it? Um, I think there was definitely sort of that turning point where I was like, fuck it. And I think for me, it was just like, I was having all of these people message me saying like, oh my God, I loved your live stream that I was doing on my Facebook business page. And Mm. these were my personal profile friends. And I was like, but how did you see that? And I was just like, like, but how do you know that I did that? And so I was having all of these friends from college and high school. I even had an elementary school friend message me. Um, saying, you know, I loved your content. It's so inspirational. Like, how can I do what you do? How can I hire you? Can I get some career advice? And then it was just like, fuck it. These people are finding me anyway. And people love my content. Like, they're responding to it. So might as well go all out. 
Fantastic. And how do you get inspiration for your content? Because your posts are amazing. Like they're like, I'm doing it world. I've set goals. I'm in Bali. I'm with Winston. Sabrina, by the way, has an amazing man in her life named Winston, <laughs> who is a puppy who rides around in a backpack with a hole in the front where his little face sticks out. Yeah. Um, I think for me, it's just like some people will like schedule time out and they'll be like, okay, this is content time. And for two hours, I'm just going to write out social media content. For me, I just go out and I live my life and I just do as many fun things as possible. And if an idea pops into my head, I write it down on my phone. And then later that day or a few days later, I'll take out that idea and then I'll sort of just riff on what I thought about that and then put up a pretty bally picture and share it. Yeah. So it's really just about going out, living my life, seeing the world, and then whatever information sort of intuitive hit channel, I just take that and then I just write something. Yeah. And what do you love most about living in Bali? I think it's just such a safe space. You know, like, I've learned so much personally and professionally the past year, and I feel like no matter how many punches or what, what, no matter what comes at you through life, Bali is a safe space to sort of learn through that process, that experience it, whereas I feel like in other places, it's such a harsh environment that when someone has some sort of lesson or growing pain, they retract and they constrict and they don't want to grow anymore and they think, okay, that's enough, back to my comfort zone, whereas Bali, it's like, you're learning something, but you're going to keep going. Yeah, yeah. We have some dogs barking in the background. We're really out here <laughs> in the rice fields. That's amazing. So you feel like in the West and, and maybe some other places, people kind of hit that limit, and then they're like, okay, I've reached what I'm capable of. Let me just go back to what I know. Mm -hmm. Definitely, yeah. Some people are just like, okay, I'm finished now. And I think that um, the best things in life are on the other side of your fear. And so when we hit a wall, I think it's often because we're afraid of what's on the other side or we're afraid that we can't get to the other side. So we don't even try. Right. Where it's like, okay, I'm meeting some sort of resistance. So maybe I should go back to my hole or I'm meeting this resistance and maybe I could get to the other side, but then I'm just going to face even bigger barriers. But I think that, you know, certain mountains in our life were placed there so that we can show others that they can be moved. Yeah. Okay. That's super inspirational. Um, so since moving to Bali, what have you, like, what have you encountered where you're just like, oh, universe, why did you put this in my way? <laughs> Men. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I definitely was very successful right off the bat professionally. So I think, I mean, I definitely had some things I had to learn about just, like, self-confidence and consistency and visibility and also just, like, boundaries. I think professional boundaries are super important. But I think for Bali, most of my lessons have been, you know, on the more personal romantic side. Yeah. Yeah. Bali is one of those places where you're going to learn the lessons, I think, that you're supposed to. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, like you were saying, you know, you go out into Bali and you live your everyday life and you love, you know, doing amazing things. What do you love to do while you're here and what brings you joy? Yeah. So, um, as Norma Jean mentioned, I have a puppy. He's three and a half months old. His name is Winston, and he is definitely a huge source of joy for me. And so I love just going out and about, riding a, a scooter, going through the rice fields, going to beaches, um, taking him to cafes and temples and all sorts of beautiful places. And then I also foster a lot of puppies. So I actually have a five-week-old foster puppy coming tomorrow. <gasps> Congratulations! Thank you. Yeah, her name is Kalua. She's beautiful. Five weeks old. I'm super excited for that. A few weeks ago, I had three foster puppies at the same time, plus Winston. And they were all four weeks old. So that was four dogs, me, and one house. And it was just madness. But I really enjoy that as well, just sort of 
playing with these little babies and getting them ready for vaccinations and forever homes. Um, and then I am really big into yoga, but I think that for me, yoga is more about the philosophy, the spirituality, and then I also just really enjoy kirtan, which is like yoga chanting music. Yeah, cool. And so what's your self-care practice? Because when you're living abroad um, and when you're staying wild, a lot of the time you can get caught up in the – it can wear you down, I think. Mm-hmm. So what do you do to to kind of make sure that you keep your quirks and that you're living in that beautiful space of service with your business, professionally, personally, with yeah. Winston, fostering all the puppies? Yeah. Yeah, so I actually talked about this um, a few days ago with uh, a piece of content that I shared where it basically said, I don't know if the cup is half empty or half full, but I know it's refillable, right? And so I think so many times we talk about, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup, and it's like, that's a great point, but how do I refill it? And I think it's different for every person. So for me, what I've realized is I do a lot better when I have some sort of spa time. So that could be getting my nails done or getting a massage or taking a flower bath or something like that. But it's just kind of like this little safe container bubble where it's like I'm letting someone else take care of me. So Mm. I think that act of receiving is really important because, you know, when you do have all these foster puppies running all over your house all the time and you're someone who's super maternal like I am, it's really easy to just sort of, you know, give, give, give to the point of burnout. And also with clients as well, professionally. And that's something I have had to learn sort of, you know, boundaries of this is how much I give. Yeah, boundaries are the new black. Yes, 100%. Um, But yeah, so I think spa time is important because it's like now I'm receiving some form of care. And then also every single morning, I journal out a gratitudes list of every single thing that I'm grateful for. And it changes every single day. Mm. Um... But Winston is definitely always on the list. My clients are always on the list. And then um, I do a desires list of, you know, what do I want to receive that day? So Mm. it could be, you know, I want to get a green juice. I want to get a massage. I want to make $2,000. I want to um, go to the beach. I want to buy a new dress. I I always put every single time I want an unexpected gift. You know, so like I want the universe to send me something unexpected. So I think that is also just a really good self-care practice just because you sort of like tune into this is what I'm grateful for for already receiving this is what I would like to receive even more and I think it's just very intentional so like I set my sort of intentions for the day I'm in a high vibe place because I'm grateful for things and you can't be depressed and grateful at the same time like they can't coexist yeah you know so like now I'm grateful and I'm also like this is what I want out of today so I've sort of set the intention of hey universe please send me this right so not looking at what you don't have but looking at what you do have And then what you can add to that. Yeah. And just like sort of setting the expectation of this is what I want the universe to send to me, Mm. but then never getting disappointed if it doesn't show up that day, because I think we do need to sort of have faith that the things that are meant to come to us will. And if we want something, we can have it, but that sort of the universe has its own divine timing and that, you know, we can set deadlines for the universe, but really they're just guidelines and it's going to work out when it's meant to. Yeah, absolutely. So you were talking about, um, you know, expecting things every day. So I was going to ask, you're like really good at setting goals and following through. Um, What are some things that you do on a daily basis to help you? Not just because Sabrina's amazing in terms of life coaching. She's a social media savant, so I'm going to have her dig into that in a little bit. Um, But what are some things that you use every day to kind of not just help you manifest um, and things that you'd like to achieve, but to help you like take your goal and make it a reality? 
Definitely. So I think that when it comes to people in general, there are two major camps. There's either the, I make my own luck. I make my own way in the universe. I'm, I'm the master of my fate. I decide. I create, right? It's all about, I'm in control. And you sort of choke your power in a way. And then there's the other half of the world that sort of gives up that power to the universe. And they're like, you know, it's going to happen when it's meant to happen. It's in God's hands. If it didn't work out, it wasn't meant to work out. And so I think they're both wrong. I think that it's two people. It's you and the universe. So with that being said, what I'm sort of, I guess, trying to get at is you have your job and the universe has their job. So anytime I set a goal or an intention of something I'd like, professionally or personally, I say, okay, what's my side and what's the universe's side? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes we get so wrapped around, oh, the money isn't coming to me right now. The right clients aren't coming to me right now. And it's like, that's not your work. That's the universe's job. What's your work? Your work is to create the offers that people want to attract. Your work is to show up and share your message. Your work is not to get discouraged and to do mindset work and to keep investing in yourself and investing in your business and doing self-care. So it's like, that's my side. That's my lane. The universe has their lane, and I need to learn how to trust that that is going to happen and that's going to take care of itself. Because if you are so in this camp of, you know, I make my own way, I'm going to do it, you just choke everything out and then you just get so discouraged when the other half doesn't happen because you don't understand that that's not your part. And so when things don't happen the way that you want to because you've created a plan and you've decided how it's going to be, you just get upset and you sort of give up. But then if you're on the other side where you're like, oh, like it didn't happen because it wasn't meant to happen. It's like... Right, the fatalistic. Yeah, it's like that's not the case. Like, yes, like the universe does sort of have this divine plan, but the universe also wants you to get off your ass and do some work, right? So that's where the balance needs to be, where it's you set the intention, but then you have to take inspired action. You take inspired action, but you still have faith and you still trust it's going to work out. Mm -hmm. So it's not I'm doing this or the universe it's doing this. It's we're doing this together. You know, we're co-creating. This is a group project. Yeah. Okay. So you said inspired action. Mm -hmm. What exactly is that? Go into that a little bit. That's a fun term. Inspired action. Yeah. So for me, it's just kind of like, what do I think could be different or unique that could sort of get me to where I want to go. So for me, that will kind of look like recently I had a group program launch and I sort of had a plan of how I was going to promote that. And I was like, okay, this is my side. The universe is going to send me the right clients. And then I just sort of got this like intuitive nudge where it was like, you need to do five days of live streaming. And that wasn't like something that I had thought about. It was just like a little intuitive hit that came to me. And instead of pushing that aside and being like, oh no, but that's not in my plan. I was like, beautiful, perfect. And so then that's what I did. And I did live streams every single day for five days talking about different topics. And then it worked out beautifully. And I got all these people enrolled into my group program that probably wouldn't have if they hadn't seen that live stream content. So it's, I got some sort of inspiration from the universe and instead of rejecting it, I did it, you know? So if you ever have a crazy idea, go ahead and follow through on it. You know, it's not crazy. It's not impossible. It's not too weird, too strange. It's in your brain for a reason. Hmm, Absolutely. So you said mostly you're working with women. Mm -hmm. Um, So in terms of getting into the universal inspiration, what are some tips you have for people to tap into that? Yeah. So I think definitely starting off every day with a gratitudes and desires list is really important just because it's very intentional. It's very much about getting into this high vibe place of I'm grateful and I want more. You know, it's about not being afraid to ask for more, to receive more, to open yourself up to all of that. So I think that's really important. And then one thing that I teach is that um, 
my clients is that there's many different ways to success. There's many different ways to happiness. So many people teach there's only this one way and then people try and follow that. And then if it doesn't work out for them, they sort of are like, oh, well, it's not meant to be for me. But so what the yogis talk about is there's four paths of yoga, karma yoga, bhakti yoga, raja yoga, and yana yoga. And so basically with each one, there's a different, you know, personality. I like to describe it as an ancient personality test. So for example, a karma yogi is very much about service. So if you identify with that, then you need to find some sort of service-based self-care practices that you can get behind that's going to sort of get you connected with the universe. So maybe that looks like volunteering or, you know, freelancing for a nonprofit or, you know, doing something great for your kids or your friends every day. So Mm -hmm. just finding a way to get sort of in that high vibe service place because that's what you're sort of connected to. And that's a really great way to get into universal flow. If you're a bhakti yogi, then you're very much about love and devotion and art and music. So maybe for you, you want to listen to, you know, really inspiring music. So for example, I love listening to yoga kirtan music. Or if you're an artist or if you're into tarot and oracle cards, maybe you're a bhakti yogi. And so if that is what your personality feels like, then you need to take some of those practices and do that. And that's going to feel really universally aligned for you. So maybe every day you want to pull an oracle card and see what it has to say for the day. Or maybe you want to, you know do your meditation, but while you're doing your meditation, you're listening to, you know, some inspiring and uplifting music. And so it's different for every person, but maybe that's what you connect to. Raja yogis are super type A. It's like, this is the plan. It's here's point A, here's point B, and here are the 32 steps I'm going to take to get there. So for you, maybe you need something where it's kind of like, okay, this is what I want today. And this is how I'm going to get there. But you still need to have that ability to sort of like open up and a practice and maybe a, to yeah and like just open up and like okay I'm I'm flexible about the means of getting there, but so Raja Yoga a big part of it is the eight limbs of yoga. So part of that is you know asana. So maybe a yoga class would be something that's very good for you, or just doing ten minutes of yoga every day. That might be something very helpful for you, or doing some sort of breath work, or going vegetarian. Anything that you think is sort of universally holistically type a that sort of makes your brain happy do that and then finally yana yogis they're all about self-inquiry and wisdom so maybe for you you want to read a gabby bernstein book for 20 minutes a day or a tony robbins book or you want to journal or something like that but i think that just getting a better understanding and it doesn't have to be the four types of yoga but just getting a better understanding of our personalities and what lights us up and then creating a self-care practice around that is really important And then the nice thing about the four paths is that since it's so connected to spirituality is that it does help us get more into that universal flow, regardless of which path. And there, you can have more than one path that you align with, but if you just find something that feels good and you set the intention for it, you're going to feel connected. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and do you find that the spirituality and staying connected to your intuition, um, through a self-care practice is really a vital part of, um, of the business that you you're creating of your success as a life coach, as a business coach, as a social media savant, I've given her that title by the way. Um, but do you feel like for a lot of people, you know, spirituality has a lot of, there's a lot of charge around that word. Mm -hmm. Um, especially like we're, we're speaking to you from Ubud, but I think in, in the Western world as well, you know, all around the world, spirituality for a lot of people, it's a little bit like, Ooh, woo, woo. Um, so for people that are a little bit, more removed from that yeah um do you have any tips for like how to just very slowly dip your toes into that water sure so I don't think you need to be a moon child and do a smudging ceremony and go join like 
a womb circle right away and then you're spiritual. I think a lot of people <laughs> do all of these like pseudo spiritual practices because they're searching for something and they think that it makes them really enlightened, but sometimes it just makes them really egotistical and attached. So I don't think that it's like you have to do certain things and then you're Gandhi. I think it's, um, so I, what I was taught when I was living in the ashram and what I believe is that just like there are many paths to happiness, there are many paths to enlightenment. So what the yogis teach is that there's Brahman, which is a sort of like universal consciousness. So like that's the universe, that's God, angels, all of that. That's so that's all the religions pretty yeah. much. Okay. So it's basically like this universal consciousness that we connect to. It's like source. And then Saguna Brahman is basically all these manifestations. So Jesus, Buddha, Ganesha, Vishnu... Uh, Muhammad, all the prophets of all major religions are Saguna Brahman, which is basically a physical manifestation of the Supreme Consciousness. Because the idea is that a lot of us can't comprehend or understand that there's something bigger out there. So we need sort of like a middleman to get to that. So, you know, if, if you're a Christian, maybe you need, you know, Jesus to come and have the Bible and right. have the Psalms and all of these prayers and so it's like rituals. those first french fries that you eat out of the bag in the drive-thru of mcdonald's yes, yes. <laughs> when you're like driving through mcdonald's not that i eat mcdonald's there's no mcdonald's in my town i don't eat it but you know when i'm in a western country sometimes i will go and i will get myself a meal as a as an exotic treat and um you know you ha you need those french fries to get you to the burger yeah you just you need like a channel to get you to the information because the thing is about all these religions is they all have the same message it's all about love and peace and compassion and being a good person and being a good person so it's like it's all the same message but it's just like different channels of receiving it because we all need different ways to connect to something so what i would say is if you are more aligned with a major world religion or even a minor world religion or some sort of um, primal, native, um, indigenous, spiritual practice, whatever it may be, stick with that. You mm -hmm. know, you can experiment, you can go out, but a lot of times when people talk about spirituality, they think like crystals and like moon circles and like drum circles and all that stuff. And like, I don't think that's it. I think it's just that's what's trendy right now. Mm -hmm. You know, that's like lululemon and instagram and all that stuff and people are into that but spirituality isn't about what you post on instagram you know it's not a it's not an outward practice it's totally an inner practice and so it's really interesting for me so for example mala beads are something that uh for people who are hindu or for people who um are like actually use Japa Mala as a prayer practice. You keep it inside your shirt. You don't I would show think it's it. like a I mean I think of it like a Hindu rosary. Exactly. Right. Like it's not like an accessory. And so for a lot of people it is. And so they don't understand. And so that's not spirituality, right? So that's why I think where people need to understand like just because you see someone doing this doesn't mean that there's some great spiritual teacher you need to follow because it's really about what's on the inside. Right. right? So it's letting go, seeing through the Seeing through all of that, so like to get uh, to the good, to get to the meaty good, to get to the burger, right? So to it's get just, to the burger, yeah. So just the like, burger of of actual spirituality, of being a good person and loving people. Yeah. So it's just like, what do I do when nobody's looking? That's spirituality, right? Okay, cool. And so with your life coaching, you help people kind of like work on the self practice and get there. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. So just if anyone has some sort of big mindset block or struggle or they want to improve their 
relationships with others to themselves, anything that they sort of have felt like has held them back. It's just finding a way to sort of get them through that. And I think the big thing, if anyone wants to be a life coach that people need to understand is your job is not to point out the problem. Your job is not to sort of say, this is where you've messed up. This is what you need to do. I think our job is to sort of guide them to figuring it out on their own and to creating their own plan and sort of guiding them and supporting them in that. Right. But I think it's really important that people sort of have this shift where they sort of walk through what they perceive to be a problem. They walk themselves through how they got there and they need to have that aha moment because if you just tell someone what's wrong with them or you what you perceive to be wrong, what they perceive to be wrong, they're immediately going to get on the defense and be like, you horrible person. I cannot believe you just said that to me. Right. Even though you're trying to help them, right? Right. It may and be true, but you weren't the right person to say it. Exactly. And so we need to sort of help people realize that just because they have a problem now that we can help them with doesn't mean they won't again in the future. So we need to go through that process with them of identifying the problem and creating a solution so that they can do it for themselves later on again. Okay, so creating the pattern of problem solving. Yeah. For adult humans. Yeah. <laughs> I find as adults sometimes, you know, we, everyone has problems, but I mm -hmm. think, you know, when you're kind of like alone in the world and, mm -hmm. you know, like making your way, Mary Tyler Moore style, that yeah. was like a total vintage <laughs> reference. I, I love Mary Tyler Moore. Um, but, you know, I think it's it's hard to, to learn how to problem solve in certain areas. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's where a life coach can definitely be really helpful because it's not just about like looking at someone and sitting there and just sort of like letting them do all the talking. It's just about sort of having this container of I'm going to help you figure out what you want out of life and how to get there and I'm going to give you some different strategies that can help you but ultimately I want to empower you to be a happy, healthy, functioning human being that's going to go out and grab life by the balls, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to take a break. Um, and in a minute, we'll hear about the business side. We're going to get into the, the yummy, yummy business side of what Sabrina's doing and her social media savant side and all the Instagram hacks. So hold on a second, little human. We're back here with Sabrina Phillip, who is a life coach, business coach, social media savant. Um, so Sabrina, talk a little bit about your business coaching and how you kind of came to, into doing that um, and what your niche is and, and how you got into that juicy social space. Sure. So I started off doing social media management and then social media consulting, and I scaled that into a social media agency. And after I created a six-figure business for myself, I decided that I wanted to help other women do the same. So specifically, I work with um, women entrepreneurs. I've worked with all different types of businesses. So I have one client who's a best-selling author. I have some clients who are product-based business owners and Etsy sellers, and then a lot of um, business coaches, mindset coaches, life coaches, social media managers, um, 
anything in the service-based space. So I've also a couple of brick and mortar businesses. So I've really worked with all different types of businesses, but really it's just about women who are doing their own thing in their own way and sort of helping them, you know, either start a business or grow their business and scale their business. Because I think a lot of times when women are starting their own businesses, there's this idea that I have to work all the time and I have to take it all on and I have to do it all or I'm going to fail. Yeah, or I'm that's not how make I feel. Work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. What are some tips for not doing that? Well, I think what we really need to keep in mind is it's not about doing more. It's about doing less but doing it better. And so also another thing is there's always more that you could be doing, but you need to strategically choose not to, right? So you don't need to be doing 101 things in order to be successful. So for me personally, I want to be at a space, my new business model that I'm um, actually starting next week is I'm only going to work two weeks a month. I'm going to work the first week and the third week a month, and then the second and fourth week are off. And I won't do coaching calls that week. I will email my clients back, but I'm not going to get on the phone with you. And I'm not going to do anything other than take care of myself. And so I've had all sorts of different business models, but I think growing forward, that's the one that's going to work best for me. And I plan on making more money doing that than I've ever done before. Amazing. Yeah. So when I started out, I was working like 18 hours a day and I was so attached to the hustle and the grind and just like go, 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 like, oh my God, look how much I'm working. Look how tired I am. Look at these bags under my eyes. I'm awesome. I work so much. Right. Like look at the effort I'm putting in. Yes. I was so attached to that. And it's like, who cares? Like you're the only person who cares. Everyone else around you is like, geez, like go to sleep. Right. Like you're the only person who thinks that's awesome. And if anyone else that you're friends with is obsessed and thinks that thinks that's awesome, they're also eventually going to sort of hit like a cap because you're trading like hours for money and it's not about like how many hours can I work it's how much money can I make per hour that I do work that's how I want you to think right because for me I live in Bali I have a dog I love yoga I love the spa I love reading I love doing nothing sleep is awesome so I don't want to be working 18 hours a day I don't even want to be working every day I want to take most days off you know I usually only work three days a week And then moving forward, it's now just going to be two weeks a month, and it's going to be um, Tuesday through Thursday for those two weeks. That'll take coaching calls, and then that's it. So that's six days a month, you know? But I think it's just about, like, what do you want? If you want to be working all the time, great. Go do that. You're eventually going to get really tired. So what we need to figure out then is what do I want and how do I get there? And what gets me more of what I want? Because different tasks have different value to us, right? So like getting on a coaching call with a client is worth way more money than scheduling a social media post or sending out an invoice or anything that I could pass off to an assistant or something that I could automate or delegate. So that's what we really need to think about is, you know, what's worth my time and how can I do more of that? Because so many people get into this like shiny object syndrome where it's like, I need to have a blog and I need to have a podcast and I need to have a group program and I need to have a membership site and I need to have a one-to-one coaching package and I need to host a retreat and I need to do this and I need to do that. And it's just like, chill. Like, do two or three of those and do them really well. And that's Shiny. Object syndrome. Object syndrome. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. So, is that like the competing with everyone else kind of a thing? I think... Like, the world has blogs. I need to have a blog. The world has podcasts. I think it's two things. I think part of it is she has it, so I need to have it. And I think it's also, if I don't have it, I'm not enough. If I don't have it, I won't get there. If I don't have it... I won't be successful. So if I don't have this, then I'm not going to get what I want. 
Okay. Yeah, I feel like it's actually started to rain here in Bali, by the way. If you hear that, um, I feel like for a lot of people that not having enough um, or, yeah, or not doing enough, do you think that that stems from not feeling like they are enough? 100%, yeah. And so I think that's um, this idea that people have that it, in order to be enough, they have to do something. So when I do this, then I am enough. But what people need to understand is just by virtue of being and existing and living and breathing, you are enough. There's mm -hmm. nothing else that you need to do. So all of this is for right. fun. I think that money is fun. I think it's a game. I think that business is fun. And it's just like... I'm going to go out and I'm going to hack the shit out of this. And I'm going to see how many people I can serve. And like, I'm 23 years old. I shouldn't be making this much money online. There's nothing in the rule book or anything they taught me in college that said that this was possible, right? right. I'm 23 years old. I should be making $30,000 a year at an entry level job and paying off my student loans, like somewhere in the United States. That's what I should be doing. Right, the so, quote-unquote should. Yeah, yeah, should be doing. And, like, then I will be enough. In my parents' eyes, they would love it if I went and did that. And, like, then I would be enough. But it's, like, no, it's, like, it's something that I define for myself. Hmm. And it's not if I do these things, then I will be enough. It's I already am enough. Now what do I want to do with my life? And I'm going to go do that. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, so in terms of the being enough thing, do you have any, like, tips or affirmations or things that you say to yourself that you can share with the Stay Wild listeners about how to remind yourself that you're enough? Definitely. Well, I think one of the big things is we just need to have awareness of why do I think that I'm not enough. And so that doesn't need to be an everyday thing of sort of what's coming up, what's triggering me, but there does need to be some sort of process where you sit down at one point for an hour or a few hours, however long it takes, and just sort of write down every single moment, experience, thought, idea that told you you weren't enough, you weren't good enough, you're a failure, you're this, you're that. And you need to write all of that down and then write a new story of why that's not true. Oh, I thought you were going to say burn it. Burn it. <laughs> I mean, you totally could burn it, but it's just like if I have this story in my head that I'm not enough because when I was in fifth grade, I lost the student treasure race, right? That right. That's... I don't know if that happens to me. I can't remember what I was doing in fifth grade. But let's pretend that's true. And that when I was in fifth grade, I lost the race for student treasurer. Um, now that I have this story in my head, I need to say why that's not true. And it's like, that story's not true at all. That has nothing to do with me. You know, fifth grade was so long ago. It's not important. Look at all the things that I've done since then, you know, and just sort of write this new story. Of, except, basically, we need to tell ourselves that every time we tell ourselves we're not good enough, that that's a lie. Mm. So it's just about like, oh, that's a lie. That's not true here's a better thought and we need to choose those better thoughts. And so choosing the better thought, that's really interesting about writing down your story. Mm -hmm. Cause I find that a lot of things that have become beliefs for people mm -hmm. um, and that actually limit, I mean, we're talking about a lot of spiritual stuff here, but when you think about it, it actually does apply to financial success, to entrepreneurial success sure. in a major way. And so the stories that have become our core beliefs of who we believe we are, a lot of the time are just stories. So if we write them down, we're like, well, that's weird and doesn't make logical sense. Yeah. So for example, I have this client who is starting her new social media management and web design business. And so she was telling me um, the other day that she really feels like a failure because her last business, which was a jewelry business, failed. And so I sort of talked to her and I was like, huh, like, why do you, why do you think it failed? And she's like, 
oh, well, you know, I don't, I don't think I made as much money as it should have. And I was like, huh, like how much money did you make? And I was like, wow, that's a lot. That's so impressive. You did that by yourself. That's amazing. And it's sort of just like getting her to realize like, wow, like I started my own business, a product-based business, and I had all this success and sort of shifting that from this new business isn't going to work because that last business didn't work to that last business did work. And now that's evidence and proof that this will. Right. So we need to take all of the negative beliefs and be like, that's a lie. That's not true. Here's what's true. And then look at every single experience we've had that is good and does support the positive beliefs we have and be like, that's evidence. So yeah, just because it didn't last forever doesn't mean that it wasn't a success. It's all evidence. It's all proof. There's always a lesson. There's always some way that we did succeed in every situation, even mm -hmm. if we can't see that now. And so that's why it's important to sort of figure out what are these limiting beliefs? Where where did they come from and why are they not true? You know, yeah. because where did thing, your limiting beliefs come from? Yeah, because yeah. the thing why a, the reason why a limiting belief is so strong is because it's not just sort of like this oh idea that I've attached myself to. It's there's a belief that I have that's associated with some sort of false evidence that I've created in myself. Right. So it's we think that it's real because of an experience. Right. So, and the evidence would be like, I didn't win treasure in fifth grade. Yeah. I'm not enough. And then you look at it as an adult and you're like, that's evidence? What is this? Is that for ants? Right. <laughs> so it's not just about like telling someone like, oh, don't say that about yourself. Like, don't say that you're not smart enough. Like, you're so smart. Because it's like, great, you're just like telling me a different belief, but I don't believe you because I have this experience where I failed a test in college. Right. So it's like we need to get to the evidence. We need to go a little bit deeper. Mm. And so that is both business and personal. Fantastic. Fantastic. So moving into the social space, your Instagram is amazing. Thank um, you. What are some, what was your journey with that? And what are some tips you can give the Stay Wild listeners about how to grow their Instagram, how to engage with followers, um, and to really create that conversation? Yeah, so what I teach all of my clients is that Instagram is a community-building platform. So it's all about building relationships, engaging with people, making friends. So I think that one of the big things is just you need to share some form of content every day. So make that a goal of I'm going to share a post at least once a day just because you need to be sharing something. And consistent. To, you need to be consistent. And the thing is... Sometimes people will take on this huge goal of, I'm going to share 10 Instagram posts today. And it's like, why don't you start with one? Show yourself it's possible that you can do one a day every day and that you can do that and then add more to your plate. But start off with, you know, one a day that you share. And then for in terms of the type of content that you're sharing, you want it to be something that's, you know, telling a story. So there's different types of content that do well on each platform. But on Instagram, we're really trying to inspire people. And we're really trying to sort of build some form of connection with them. So I teach four types of content to my clients, teaching, inspiration, connection, and sales. In terms of that's what you should be sharing as an entrepreneur on social media. So teaching is anything that positions you as an expert. And that's really well on Facebook. Inspiration is anything that sort of makes them look at like, wow, like look at what they're doing or look at what their clients are doing. That's possible for me too. Mm -hmm. Connection is anything that creates a me too moment. So it's like, wow, like they like Harry Potter. I love Harry Potter. So it's like, me too. Right. I, Mutual ground. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then sales is just a direct pitch. So on Instagram, we will really want to be focusing on inspiration content and connection content. Okay. And so inspiration is just, you know, sharing what you're up to, sharing your beliefs. And then if you're someone like me who is trying to help more people start online businesses and see the world, I want to phrase my content and phrase my story in a way that lets people know that they can do it too. And that there's nothing special about me. I just decided. 
you know, right. so that's sort of how I frame my story. And then for connection content, I think if you're unsure of what to share, have it end in a question. Like, try and start a conversation of, like, do you do this too? What do you think about this? But it's just anything that's a little bit more vulnerable, real, behind the scenes, and just sort of trying to build a relationship with people. So if you're really intentional with your content, I think that helps a lot. Mm. Just because you're not throwing spaghetti at the wall, hoping something sticks. It's like, there's a purpose for my posting. I always talk about posting with a purpose, but, like, there needs to be a reason behind why you're sharing what you are. And then from the growth hacking side, it's just, you know, being visible, using hashtags, comment pods are great. You can use bots if you're into that. But really, all of that's going to do is just sort of magnify the original content right. that you're sharing. So you need to get that unlocked first. You need to make sure your content's tight. Yeah. Content on fleek. Yes. <laughs> so in terms of tightening that up, you'd say that it's really about making sure that you have your niche, you have your target audience. Mm-hmm. You really know who you want to speak to and what you want to say to them. Yeah, and then also just from like a visual standpoint, statistically there are certain things that do better than others. So for example, having a single dominant color in a picture does statistically better than having many different colors. Having more muted tones does better than something that's more saturated. Um, You know, different levels of foreground do better than others. So I don't do any of that. I do lots of different colors. I do super saturated and it works for me. So... Even though the statistics or the data might say something doesn't mean you need to follow the rules, but that is something to sort of keep in mind of, you know, this might do a little bit better. How can I incorporate this? Or if I'm not going to do this, what can I do instead? Right. So how to, so you, you mean to set your own trend. So it's good to know about what generally works. Yeah. Use that to do what you want to do, but then also to make sure that you are unique about it. Yeah, but I think the sort of like the underlying message that we can sort of take from the data, even if we aren't going to apply it ourselves, is we need to be visually cohesive. So that might look like using the same filter on every single image. And when I talk about filter, I don't mean an Instagram filter, but like something on Visco or Snapseed or a level of exposure or saturation. So just having sort of like a film over each image that makes it look similar to the next or having, you know, a pattern in place so that, the eye when it looks at the feed it's kind of like oh I see what they're doing I understand like on my Instagram I have one original cartoon every day and then one photo of hello it's my life yeah um yeah so for the listeners visco and is it snapseed snapseed personally I use visco v-s-c-o I think that one's awesome and then on every single image I do um a little bit more saturated a little more exposure and then I do c3 which is a filter that just makes it really warm right so these are apps to download on your phone yeah okay so for they're available on the app store on google play or the apple app store um and you can just download them and they help you edit your photos and just like just like editing on instagram but with more options definitely and so that's why i kind of like the idea of putting a little bit of a filter on everything just because when you do take a picture you're going to be out and about different lightings different times of day um, different exposure levels so it helps to just sort of have some little unifying filter on everything so it, it matches right so you have consistency with the frequency of the posting you have consistency with the content of the posting mm-hmm. and then you have consistency content like the message and then you have consistency with the visuals of it yeah, as well definitely so it's that three-prong consistency for sure oh cool well that's awesome thanks so much sabrina and Thank you for coming on Stay Wild. Tell everyone um, where they can find you, how they can contact you, um, where to see all of your amazing uh, adventures on Instagram. 
Definitely. So all of my usernames on social media are Sabrina M. Philip. Um, M as in Michelle, and last name is P-H-I-L-I-P-P, one L, two Ps. Um, my new website drops on Monday, so that's sabrinaphilip.com, or you can add me on Facebook, and that's great too. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, thanks again for coming on Stay Wild, and we'll have all of this information in the show notes, so check it out. Sabrina is amazing in terms of growth hacking, life coaching, business coaching, and we're so lucky to have her on the show. Thanks again, Sabrina. Thank you so much. It was so great having Sabrina on the show. She's such an inspirational person, and she's doing it, you know. Um, And I really resonated with what she said about not doing too many things. So I'm going to read one of my poems right now from my Instagram, Toast Poems. Um, And this is the very first one about why I called it Toast Poems is pretty much this poem. And it really resonates with not doing too much. And as a woman, um, how to not spread yourself too thin. So here we go. This one is called Toast Poem. I'm not sure there's enough of me, she said, for she wanted to be all the things, do all the things, like too little butter on toast. There just wasn't enough of her to go around. She didn't know which was worse, to be spread too thin or honked in one place, tearing every time she tried to move. That was Toast Poems, and I'm Norma Jean. Thanks for giving us a listen. Um, Today's guest was Sabrina Phillip, who is a business coach, life coach, social media savant, so that'll all be in the show notes. And you can check us out at staywildpodcast.com. Today's episode was brought to you by me, Norma Jean, uh, where you can check out all my artwork, cartoons, music, um, which is also the music that the podcast is featuring today, um, at njloves.com. Please subscribe to us in iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Write us a review in the iTunes store. Um, and until then, stay wild. So we keep on keeping on.